Welcome to the Not Old Better Show, Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show will be another fan favorite for a couple of reasons. Stephen Emanuel, our guest today, is known for his depth, his consciousness, his caring, and for excellent Smithsonian Associates presentations. He's always been a fan favorite, and today's subject by Stephen is none other than Fred Rogers of PBS and public television fame. This one will be a favorite as well. For 33 years, Fred Rogers opened each episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with a cheerful smile and a heartfelt invitation delivered in the show's iconic theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Stephen Emanuel says, Being a neighbor, in the moral and spiritual sense of the word, entails a kind of presence that goes beyond mere physical proximity. It is a way of being that expresses care, compassion, and unconditional acceptance. Stephen Emanuel is the dean of the Susan S. Good School of Arts and Humanities at Virginia Wesleyan University and will tell us today that it was Rogers's extraordinary capacity to make himself fully present to his audience that made him such an endearing figure to the millions of children and grown-ups <laughs> like me who watched his show. We'll also talk to Stephen Emanuel about Fred Rogers' motivation to enter the arena of broadcast television, which was out of a deep concern about its potentially harmful effects on children and society. To do that, Fred Rogers developed a pedagogy that allowed him to connect with his young viewers in a way that transcended the limitations of the medium, preserving the ethical quality of interpersonal communication. Fred Rogers envisioned the possibility of public television, creating a network of interpersonal relationships aimed at building self-esteem and greater self-understanding in viewers. Stephen Emanuel will examine how Fred Rogers was able to create this powerful sense of personal presence using the impersonal medium of television. Stephen Emanuel takes us on a close look at Rogers' ideas about the role of television in the moral and psychological development of children and its potential for building healthy communities based on the values of care and mutual respect. Turning his attention to today, Stephen Manuel will re-examine the value of Fred Rogers' contributions at a time when education is increasingly shifting to remote platforms and the pervasiveness of technology and media seems to be driving people away from each other, creating deep social and political divisions that tear at the fabric of communities. There is still much we can learn from Fred Rogers, says Stephen Emanuel. We'll learn about that today, so please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, Smithsonian Associate Stephen Emanuel. Stephen Emanuel, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. It's good to talk to you, too. Especially good to talk to you about this subject today. You, of course, are going to be uh, coming to the Smithsonian Associates uh, very soon. We'll put up links to where our audience can find out information about the presentation and uh, links to more information about you. You're going to be talking about one of my favorites, Fred Rogers, and I think this is going to be a great conversation we're going to have. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you and your family are all well and uh, that you've weathered our lockdown and isolation and all those things as a, as a teacher. I imagine that that gets a bit challenging at times, but I do hope you're all well. Thank you. Yes, uh, we, we've all managed to survive. Thanks. Good. Well, 
why don't we begin by having you tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, and in particular, how you'll use Zoom to engage our audience. We are all on Zoom these days. We certainly are. Well, let me start by telling you a little bit about what drew me to the topic. Uh, A lot of my research over the years has been focused on moral and religious philosophy in the Western tradition. But in recent years, I've done a lot of work on Buddhist philosophy, and in particular, on the practice of mindfulness. That's a, a concept that's probably familiar to a lot of your listeners. In the Buddhist tradition, mindfulness Uh, refers to the meditative process of focusing one's awareness on the present moment. It's a practice that helps us learn how to be present to ourselves, to our own thoughts and feelings, uh, and also fully present to others. Now, from there, I became very interested in the way educators in the West had begun to incorporate mindfulness and this concept of presence into their pedagogy. And generally speaking, in in this, because there are many ways in which people try to do this, and the uh, literature on this is pretty extensive, Uh, but generally speaking, in this approach, the goal of the teacher is to be fully present to students in a way that exhibits genuine attentiveness and care. And this is part of a more holistic kind of approach to teaching. Sometimes it's referred to as a relational approach to teaching that addresses both the emotional and intellectual development of the student. And so as I was reading through this literature, I couldn't help think of a better example of mindfulness in teaching than Mr. Rogers. He had a really extraordinary ability to create this deep personal kind of connection with his viewers. So I was, I was, he was always in the back of my mind as I was uh, reading through these, these theories. And, and then something occurred to me. I'm surprised that it didn't occur to me immediately, but it just sort of hit me in, in the middle of my thinking about all of this, how remarkable it was that Rogers was a TV personality. I mean, you know, he was, standing in front of a TV camera in a studio. He couldn't see his viewers. He couldn't hear his viewers. So he didn't have the benefit of that face-to-face interaction uh, that a classroom teacher depends on in order to connect with students. And yet, somehow, he was able to transcend the limits of that television medium and communicate a very powerful sense of his presence. And that, I thought, really needed to be explored, especially now, of course, when so much of our teaching has moved from the face-to-face mode of instruction to remote learning platforms. And many of us, as you pointed out just a moment ago, have had some experience with the challenges of going remote. Uh, whether as teachers, students, or just employees who've had to work from home for an extended period of time. And we understand the kinds of problems that can be created for communication, um, not least in terms of being able to maintain a sense of community. Uh, I know from just speaking from my own personal experience that teaching remotely during the height of the pandemic was a huge adjustment. I mean, even with the video, Uh, I felt that something vital 
had been lost and that more, more was going to be required of me personally in order to engage my students in the way that I needed to do that to teach effectively. So anyway, what I try to do in the presentation is explain uh, what Rogers was doing that made him so successful in communicating his presence in, in the medium of television. And then later in the, in the talk, you know, trying to, you know, draw some lessons from that for, you know, uh, uh, what we're dealing with today in terms of our, our digital lives. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, for all of our audience, uh, certainly Stephen Emanuel as a uh, audience favorite did present previously to us. Uh, the title was "How Much Is Enough: Buddhist and Western Perspectives on Greed, Prosperity, and Happiness." And I think that one of the reasons that I smiled when this subject came up and uh, the chance to talk to you again, Stephen Emanuel, was this idea of happiness. And um, you you refer to it as this this Buddhist concept and. And Mr. Fred Rogers had the ability to do that. He he really was able to connect with us over this distance. How how do you think he did it so effectively remotely? How he did it effectively remotely? Well, in the talk, um, I kind of break it up into uh, four. There are four main techniques or ways in which uh, Rogers manages to 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 do this. Um, the first I, I, I call his um, loving gaze. Now that term, the loving gaze, is is, is one that I borrowed from a, a famous moral philosopher named Iris Murdoch, um, who talks about this as a, a um, it's it's part of an ethical stance. It's a way of looking. That is the what, what she called the the characteristic mark of a moral agent. Uh, it means that you're you're looking at a person in a way that's that has absolutely no agenda. Uh, you're setting your own ideas and interests to one side. You're letting go of any kind of you know notions, self-serving notions or uh, preconceptions about the other person. Uh, in order to be fully present to the reality of the person who's there. And, and so that, that, that's the first uh, idea that I see at work in, in what uh, Rogers is doing. And so it has to do with the way that he engages the camera, uh, the way that he's constantly making uh, a very firm kind of eye contact with the viewer. And he does this even even when he's moving around in on the studio set. You know, he might be walking over to the fish tank or walking over to hang up his. Uh, you know, when he goes through that routine at the beginning of the show where he's you know putting on the cardigan and the seat and so forth, he's always making sure that he's got good eye contact established with the with the viewer and then there are so many of those quiet moments where the the camera comes in kind of it's a medium closed or close-up shot and and you really get this i don't know it's the, the the wide eyes it's that radiant smile that just kind of brings you in right you don't get any sense that his ego isn't there Right. It's just this 
pure invitation <laughs> to uh, to to in, engage him, and it makes I think it it creates this sense, especially in the you know the preschool uh, viewer of somebody who really is attentive and who really does care. So that's 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 one element that I talk about that uh, at some length, and I and I make uh, a bunch of connections with some philosophical and also some uh, educational theory. Uh, for, for, because I know there will be uh, listeners who have uh, all sorts of different backgrounds, and uh, people can connect to this in, in many different ways. So the second thing that I focus on is um, what I call his use of loving speech. And uh, I, I think, you know, Rogers is really famous uh, for this. Um, his is the, the way that he uh, it engages his viewers is is very slow. Uh, it's it's very deliberate. Uh, he's always uh, giving a, a lot of time to, um, you know, when he's when he when he's speaking, he's not only using language that's upbuilding. Uh, he's not just, although this is extremely important, you know, saying things that, you know, he's, he uses that, uh, the, the words you, and, um, you know, when he sings these, these wonderful songs about it's you I like and, uh, and so forth. So there's a, it's, it's, it's language that's aimed at really, um, you know, empowering the viewer and lifting the the viewer up and making the viewer feel special. But he, but when he asks questions, um, he doesn't just ask a question, you know, and then immediately go straight into the answer. He'll pose a question, and then he'll just pause, and he'll be looking into the camera, giving the viewer. The, you know, that, that time and that space to, as though, you know, he's really there with you and he's waiting, he's waiting for you to answer the question. Uh, so it's, it's all about invitation, right? Um, and so the, so there's this, uh, yeah, so that's the loving speech. I better try not to dwell too much on each of these because I know we have a limited amount of time and I don't want to give away all the good material. <laughs> right. Well, the, one of the questions, one of the famous questions from Mr. Rogers, of course, to all of us was, will you be my neighbor? And and you've alluded to that a, a, a bit. And I wonder if you'd go into a little bit more detail for us. And we, we don't want you to give away too, too much. But what do you think it means to be a neighbor today, especially in these times? Uh, yeah, well, that's a, that's a good question. You know, as I was preparing for the Smithsonian lecture, I watched an episode, actually I watched a lot of episodes, but one in particular uh, where uh, Rogers says, uh, your neighbor is anyone you happen to be with at any time in your life. Now, you know, as definitions go, that one's pretty broad, but it, but it does tell us something important about the way Rogers understood the word. Um, a neighbor, isn't just the person who lives next door. Everybody we meet is our neighbor. And obviously, there's a lot more to be said about what it means to be a neighbor. But rather than talking about it, Rogers, I think, focused mainly on trying to embody the ideal 
of neighborliness. In other words, he taught by example. And if we're paying close attention to his example, then we might say that neighborliness is a way of being that expresses care, compassion, and unconditional acceptance. In other words, accepting others just as they are, without judgment. This is, I mean, you you, you asked about, especially today, in these times, uh, <laughs> this has never been an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, it requires that we work on ourselves. It takes time, it takes effort to develop that uh, capacity to see others, uh, to listen to others without judgment, uh, to be capable of unselfish concern for the well-being of others, and to express that in, you know, the totality of the ways in which we engage them. Um, this involves a process of moral development and self-transformation. So it's you know it's one thing to say that you should treat your neighbor as yourself, but it's another thing to be able to do it. We have to develop you know the capacities to to be able to be that sort of person who offers that invitation, who creates that space in themselves that invites others in. Uh, it takes patience, it takes discipline, um, and above all, it, you know, it takes the ability to move beyond that narrow, self-centered view of the world, um, which is probably the default mode for you know, most human beings. Um, maybe in some ways you could say today it's, it, 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 it may be actually a little bit more challenging because we, we live in the digital age. And, you know, it's really an, uh, we, 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 we constantly face this paradox that we've never been more connected uh, with, to other people, uh, but at the same time, we've, we've never been so distant from them. And that's the sort of thing that Rogers was constantly trying to counteract, because he knew TV was going to be a really dominant feature of the lives of people, <laughs> right, in the future. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. We are with Stephen Emanuel. Stephen Emanuel is the dean of the Susan S. Good School of Arts and Humanities at Virginia Wesleyan University. Stephen Emanuel will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates. The title of his presentation is The Presence of Mr. Rogers. We're talking about Mr. Rogers today with Stephen Emanuel. And Stephen Emanuel, you, you just referred to this, this uh, dominant uh, medium, certainly a medium of the masses, television. Did Rogers recognize that or was it that he recognized the ability to convey this um, lack of agenda or this zero preconceptions to his audience? What was it that really drew him 
uh, in terms of interest and commitment to TV well, initially? Uh, in his own words, I mean, he, 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 he did uh, sort of give an, an answer to that in, in different places. He had that uh, 1969 um, in, he, when he testified before Congress to try to get the funding for, for PBS. Uh, he, he was uh, addressing this a little bit. You know, he was uh, an ordained Presbyterian minister. And although he um, he opted to pursue a career outside the church, he nevertheless felt that he had a special calling to work with children. And um, he was deeply concerned about the effect of TV on children, particularly preschoolers. Um, he talks about having the experience of, you know, turning on the television and seeing, well, seeing a lot of things that he thought just weren't very wholesome uh, for, for children, a lot of violence. Uh, he was particularly bothered, uh, by the way, you know, uh, TV advertised, uh, to, uh, young children. Um, and I think he, he felt, um, he was just concerned for their well being and, uh, you know, whether they have caregivers in, in the vicinity or, you know, or, or they're just watching TV on their own, you know, who knows how they're processing that kind of, um, information. And so, um, he, he thought in his sort of lay ministry sort of way that, that he had a real contribution to make here, uh, in, in terms of, um, creating content for TV that would reach children in, in a way that represented the best of, uh, the, the possibilities for that medium. And he described the, you know, there's a, that space between the television screen and the viewer, he said, was nothing less than holy ground. Um, and that, that's his uh, expression for it. And, and he thought that the task of filling that space for an audience of young kids really required an accurate understanding of how children process their experience of the world. So, you know, he, he, uh, learned a lot about child psychology. He was mentored by a very famous uh, child psychologist of the day, uh, Margaret McFarland, who was also an advisor to the show. Um, and, and he took all of those insights and kind of worked them into his, his programming. He developed an actual pedagogy that was based on the premise that every child is a unique individual with great potential but that the most important thing that a child needs in order to grow into a healthy, responsible, loving adult is the regular experience of acceptance and care. And TV was a, a medium that could be used for that purpose. He saw a great potential in public television in particular, that, that there could be, he, he envisioned the possibility of public uh, of PBS uh, creating these local personalities all over the country who were who were um, you know had the ability to communicate in a very personal way with audiences of all ages so not just children but uh, you know adults and he and he, he envisioned uh, I think he referred to it as a network of interpersonal relationships not the story thing you normally think of when you think of TV, right? Uh, but, 
But, you know, so people tuning in to a particular, maybe, you know, PBS program, it could, it, it could have been Bob Ross, right? Or, or one of those, you know, beloved personalities who really has a rapport with the audience, who speaks in ways that, that build people up and make them feel good about themselves, treats them with genuine respect and, and, and care. Uh, and he thought that, you know, th- this could be a way of taking a, a meeting that had the potential to do a lot of damage, maybe, and, and just turn it to some real good. We miss Mr. Rogers, and certainly we miss Bob Ross. But if we turn our attention to today, what, what did you learn about Mr. Rogers that you can pass on to us and to our audience that'll, you know, help us a bit and, and create some bonds, especially because many in our audience are still feeling very isolated and um, are living remotely. It's, it's changing. We're, we're back out traveling a fair bit, I think, but I think there's still a, a you know, a, a chasm perhaps. So what, what is it that you can pass along to us? Well, I guess, you know, for the, for the most part, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of focusing on the educational context uh, in, in in the talk, but looking and and in our, my conversation with you today here, but looking beyond that for just a moment, I think Rogers has a lot of wisdom to offer us right now in terms of what's going on in society. Uh, we're seeing we see a lot of turmoil, um, and a lot of that can be traced to the pervasive influence of social media in our lives. Uh, Social media can be a a good thing. Uh, You know, it can bring people together. It can create online community or communities of of various sorts. Uh, But as we've also seen, it can be a really stabilizing force, Uh, a source of polarization, a source of anger, uh, mistrust, uh, different platforms where they may uh, vent or be exposed to, you know, toxic views or, or whatever. All, all of this tends to tear at the fabric uh, of society. It just destroys community. And it's, uh, it's something we should all be uh, concerned about. But it's something that, that we can also do something about. Um, that that train has left the station. I mean, you know, social media is just a, a, a part of our reality now. And I imagine it, uh, it will be uh, from here on out. But, but it's up to us how we use it. One of the things that made Rogers really compelling for me was uh, I talked about his loving use of speech. It's really also it's an ethical use of speech. It's about speaking not only honestly, but speaking from from who you are, uh, representing your being yourself and, you know, not pretending to be somebody else, not 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 trying to hide and hurl grenades, but just sort of standing there in your own words, uh, owning your own words and being fully accountable. If we all paid a little bit more attention to, you know, trying to engage people in that medium in a way that was more respectful. Uh, just that by itself would be a, a vast improvement, you know, a respect for the dignity of, of other people. We could do a lot of healing, right, just by the way that we engage other people. 
um, and and maybe dissolve a little bit of that that polarization, you know, disperse a little bit of that anger, turn it toward uh, something something more positive. Stephen Emanuel, our guest today, will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up. We can find out more in our show notes today. The presentation is entitled The Presence of Mr. Rogers. And uh, certainly, Stephen Emanuel, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's, it's really wonderful to hear your words and, and uh, always very uplifting. I know your presentation about the, the personal power, the presence of Mr. Rogers will convey much of that. Thank you for your generous time today. We look forward to your presentation at Smithsonian Associates. I just really encourage our audience to check this out. It's a great, great way to think about um, an individual who uh, just gave us so much and how we can uh, work ourselves to preserve some of that humanity in uh, in a digital age. But thank you, Stephen Emanuel. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. My thanks to Stephen Emanuel. Stephen Emanuel will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates program coming up, and you will find more in our show notes today. My thanks always to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you my wonderful audience here on the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, treat one another with kindness and respect, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast. Check out our website, notold-better.com for past shows and other great and free resources. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you next week. 